What's good, super friends? It's your Tio Pepe from the mean streets of Sunland Park. We've had a few people ask how they could support us and when we're going to set up a Patreon. We've heard all two of you and decided to set one up. Subscriptions suck. Everyone's got subscription fatigue, so we're making ours like I like my women. Sweet, easy, and cheap. It's only $2. That's less than a pack of cigarettes or a coffee at Starbucks. For $2, you'll get our episodes a week early and we'll send you stickers a few times a year. In fact, our first one's already done and it looks super tight. Eventually, we'll add more perks. Link is in the show notes or check us out on patreon.com slash technically a conversation. Extremely cold winters and starvation are enough to test most people physically and mentally. But for some people, it pushes them to the most taboo of all taboos, cannibalism. For the Algonquin-speaking tribes of the northern United States and Canada, they are warned of the Wendigo that could possess those who have been weakened by their environment and serves as a cautionary tale to all in their tribes and communities. Today, we're going to discuss what the Wendigo is, how you might become possessed, and some real-life stories of people who claim to have been possessed by this entity on this episode of Technically a Conversation. You're listening to Technically a Conversation, a podcast where we share an interesting topic or story with each other and hope you find it interesting as well. I'm one half of your host, Jose, and I'm joined today by my lovely co-host, Isela. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. How are you? Doing fantastic. Excellent. Can you believe that this is our first episode in November already? Yes. I'm so excited. The weather's perfect now. This is the perfect weather for me. Indeed. How was your Halloween? Did you end up dressing up? Um, did you do anything cool? I have a Barbie dress that I'm dying to wear. So, or I should say, I have a Barbie dress that I have had been dying to wear. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was old lady Barbie. Let's just say that. <laughs> Shut your mouth, girl. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, that means I'm old too. <laughs> you are not old. Este, but no, actually, we're recording on October 5th. So... Halloween hasn't technically happened yet. Right, but I'm waiting to put that dress on. You have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of October 5th, did you get turned into a zombie yesterday? I did not. I'm back in the flesh like normal, so I guess I was spared. (laughs) That's a good thing that you were spared. (laughs) Yeah. Did you get turned into a zombie and now someone else has taken over your corpse? I did not, know because I didn't find out that... We were supposed to be turned into zombies until today. Oh, good. This is wonderful. That's when you want to, instead of being all day in panic or anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or insanity mainly. Right. For those that are confused, uh, yesterday we had our emergency alert test that went out. And apparently there are some QAnon people that apparently believed that the tone was going to activate some zombie disease in everybody that got the vaccine. (laughs) (laughs) So they were asking that everybody wrap their cell phones in aluminum foil and put it in the microwave. So I take it you were not turned to a zombie, so you you did follow those directions, right? (laughs) (laughs) I find it so comical, the lengths that people will go to to just concoct the craziest ideas. (laughs) 
I know. I wasn't even going to bring it up just because this is going on in October and this is coming out in November. But it was so wild and crazy that I said I have to bring this up. That's just too funny. Right. One step below that would be like, you got to wrap your cell phone in fluffer nutters or something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, they were joking around about it on the Daily Zeitgeist. They were like, fuck, dude. I went to the store and there was no more foam. So I had to buy a bunch of Hershey's Kisses and wrap my phone in Hershey's Hershey's Kisses foil. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was hilarious. That's going to take a long time. Can you imagine? <laughs> I know. Uh, did you get the emergency alert yesterday? Yes. Yeah. We were all kind of waiting, even in our group chat at work. And we were like, oh, my God, it's going to hit sometime soon. And then I had gotten it first. I was like, OK, everybody, there it goes. And then one girl, she's really funny. She's like, I still jumped and I knew it was going <laughs> to <laughs> Well, that was going to be my next question. Were you working from work when it went off? I was working from home. Oh, I was hoping you would tell me about like the chaos when everybody's phones went off at the same time. <laughs> no, 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 I don't know. You'll have to ask someone else. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we actually did an episode on presidential alerts back in October of 2021. If you want to hear all about that and the talk show that was fined for rebroadcasting that tone. And we sound like babies. So give us some grace, people. Oh, yeah. We were awful. We had no idea what we were doing still. Wow. That's funny. I didn't say we were awful, but I did say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I was definitely awful. You had a little more experience. Anyway. Uh, well, not much. But um, it was funny because there was a, a podcast that I was listening to. And they were actually interrupted during the emergency alert yesterday <laughs> when it went off. That's so funny. It was so funny. You're like, well, you already know when this was being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they record that same day and it's released that same day. So, Wow, that's a turnaround. Yeah, it is a good turnaround. But they have a whole team of people to produce and edit the podcast. So, mm, Yeah. All right, Isela, enough fucking around. Ready to get started? I am ready. Great. Let's get started. Now, usually there's a time in our episode where I'll ask you a bunch of stupid questions. Mm -hmm. But being that I've exceeded the amount of times a year that I can ask you if you've been kidnapped, I'm going to play you a voicemail that we got from one of our super friends, Jessica from Memphis, a couple of weeks ago. Nice. Okay. Hey, this is Jessica from Memphis. I just discovered your podcast. I really love it. Um, I first discovered your show on Aztec festivals, and I actually have Native American heritage in me. And I think it would be cool to do something um, of North American, Native American. I think that'd be cool. But I guess just discovered your podcast. So thank you so much for your voicemail, Jessica, and glad that you're enjoying the show. Yes. Thank you, Jessica, for listening. And that's a really great suggestion. I'm assuming this is <laughs> where you're going with that. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Let's see where the podcast takes us. Either way, thank you, Jessica. Yeah, I know it's kind of hard to hear, but she was saying that she was Jessica from Memphis, and uh, she just discovered our show during the Aztec Death Whistle, and uh, she was wondering if we would do some uh, some Native American podcast. Mm -hmm. And um, I sent her a message to thank her and ask her if there was a topic in particular that she wanted us to cover, mm -hmm. but she never replied, which in all fairness is what I expect whenever I message anyone, including my friends and loved ones. <laughs> Any women? <laughs> Especially women. If if I'm messaging a woman, I know she's not going to reply. So being that we're on the cusp of Native American Heritage Month, and we're less than a week removed from Halloween, 
I understood the assignment to quote Tay Money, and I took the liberty to combine both. Yes. An indigenous legend that is also kind of creepy. How does that grab your ass, Isela Money? I am Isela Money. <laughs> That's a better response. I'm like, what the heck? I'm totally for it. So let's hear this combo two for episode. Hopefully I don't disappoint you, which I'm also known for disappointing women. So uh... <laughs> so two for. Yeah, another two for. Yeah. <laughs> so this topic has been on my list for a very long time because it holds a very special place in my heart. I originally heard about the entity that we're going to discuss on an episode of The X-Files that I saw late one night on TV. It was probably the mid to late 90s. Do you know what is The X-Files, Isela? I watched it for the early seasons. I didn't hang in there for the, like when they actually hooked up the Mulder and whatever the other person. Okay, well, this is definitely like a season one episode. Okay, excellent. I don't think they mentioned the name more than once or twice. But I thought the name sounded cool, and it was a shape-shifting, cannibalistic spirit. So I was like, fuck yeah, that sounds super metal and super badass. <laughs> so at the time, that's when I was still playing in bands. So we actually made it our band mascot. Whoa. We had even printed out t-shirts that were the, the worst possible quality that you can imagine. All right. Also metal. <laughs> also very metal. Well, that was more like punk rock. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's more punk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it had our band logo on there. And this entity that we're going to discuss, because we thought, well, Iron Maiden has Eddie, Iced Earth has Set Abomine, and Megadeth has Vic Rattlehead. So we'll have the... Actually, hold that thought. Mm. The following is from a Sleepopolis article by Sharon Brandwin, a Britannica article by Renee Ostberg, a Scary Studies article by Cody Merrick, and an Atlas Obscura article by J.W. Oker. Link in the show notes. In spring of 1879, a Cree man named Swift Runner wandered into a Catholic mission in St. Albert, Alberta, Canada. The man claimed to be the only member of his family who didn't starve to death over the cold, bitter winter. The priests became suspicious when they realized that Swift Runner, who weighed around 200 pounds, didn't seem malnourished. He also appeared to be plagued with nightmares that caused him to wake up screaming. The Northwest Mounted Police decided to check in on him. When they went to examine his camp, they found the campsite was scattered with human bones. Some of them gnawed. He later confessed that he had been having strange dreams and a spirit known as the Wendigo told him to eat his family, which included his wife, brother, mother, and six children. Oh my God. He admitted that he killed one of his sons, the last of his family to die, so there would be no witnesses. Was Swift Runner possessed by the Wendigo, or did starvation and cold cause him to lose his mind? Before we talk more about the Wendigo, are you familiar with that story, Isela? Not one bit. This sounds so crazy. Awesome. <laughs> so what are your initial thoughts? If he is as heavy set as it was explained, I'm going to go with the first one that he was almost like possessed. But then who's going to be so obedient like that? <laughs> <laughs> so, crazy. Uh, so I, I mean, obviously, it's, it might just be a combo of like him losing his mind and being possessed, I guess. I don't know. Well, we'll see later on if we have an answer to that. Yeah, sure. The initial legend of the Wendigo states that a lost hunter facing starvation during a brutally cold winter succumbed to their intense hunger and was driven to the most taboo of all taboos, cannibalism. <laughs> Shortly after feasting on human flesh, 
the hunter was transformed into a beast-like creature destined to roam the frozen North American forest in search of people to eat. The Wendigo served as a cautionary tale for the indigenous tribes forced to weather the harsh, cold northern winters. The longer your spirit is weakened by extreme conditions, such as hunger and cold, the greater the risk you run of being possessed by the spirit of the Wendigo and giving in to the temptation of cannibalism. But you don't have to go to extremes to be at risk. Anyone who gives in to greed, gluttony, and excess is susceptible. Once possessed by the Wendigo, and you consume human flesh, your body will begin its own grotesque transformation into a Wendigo to look for others to possess. Oh, did they explain what this looks like? They do have some explanations about how, how it looks like, so I'll go over them in a little bit. Okay, exciting. <laughs> <laughs> now, like all folklore, especially that which was passed down orally over generations, there are multiple variations of this legend and also varies from tribe to tribe. The folklore was mainly passed down by Algonquin-speaking tribes of the northern United States and Canada, such as the Ojibwe, Salto, and Cree. Since this legend has been told by many different tribes, according to Rene Osberg, quote, Some legends say the Wendigo is an emaciated figure with ashen flesh. Others describe it as a giant creature up to 15 feet, 4.5 meters tall, or as a beast that grows larger the more it eats. Aye. It may have sunken or glowing eyes and sharp yellowed fangs and claws. Its lips are chewed or entirely missing because it has eaten them. Oh my God, <laughs> they've eaten their own lips? That's, wow. <gasps> That's crazy, huh? Yeah, he's like permanently smiling. <laughs> <laughs> it may be hairless or have fur. It may have pointed ears and horns or antlers like a deer. It smells of rotting flesh hey. and is usually detected first by humans by its horrible odor. <sighs> kind of sounds like me, right? I'm first detected by my odor. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all uh, the, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Like, I'll smell you later. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So what do you think about that description? I mean, it's all over the place, right? It has fur and sometimes it's hairless. So at first I was almost picturing, I don't know, just something like shiny, more like flesh. And then it said, or it could have fur. So then I was thinking more like werewolfy or something, but then deer, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. 15 feet sounds really fucking ridiculous. So I'm going to need that to come down to <laughs> something smaller. <laughs> yeah. It's almost as tall as you, Isela. I see. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, one of the most trusted descriptions of the Wendigo comes from Basil Johnson, an Ojibwe teacher and scholar. Quote, The Wendigo was gone to the point of emaciation, its desiccated skin pulled tautly over its bones, Ooh. with its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody. <laughs> its body was unclean and suffering from suppurations of the flesh, giving off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition of death and corruption. <laughs> That's some pretty fabulous imagery right there. 
Like, and on that note, good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like somebody that might have been uh, disinterred by Anatoly Moskvin. Moskvin, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> good callback. Check that out, guys. Yeah, check that out. That's such a good episode. <laughs> now, their lovely smell, gone complexion, and lack of lips are some of the things that there appears to be some consensus on. They are also described as having long limbs, sharp claws and teeth, and their eyes are sunken in. They can also shapeshift into other animals and human forms. You'll appreciate this detail, Isela. Okay. They are said to have a long tongue that they use to lick their victim's flesh. What? Kind of sexy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Like a snake? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so what do you think so far based on all those descriptions? It's really fabulous imagery. Like I was not even joking. Like it really paints a great picture. And not just a picture, but you can smell like I, we've all smelled what like, you know, roadkill smells like and stuff like that. You just can't. Ugh, it's so deep in your brain once you've smelled it. So like, I mean, it's yeah, it's painting a. Great and awful picture at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the episode art for this, um, I actually did with AI. Mm. And it's like using the new Dolly 3 or whatever, and it looks fucking fantastic. That's awesome. So um, I'll show it to you when we're done recording so you could check it out. It looks really, really cool. Okay, I can't wait to see it. Wendigo also has various pronunciations and spellings, but most of them appear to be variations of Wendigo or Wendigo. I first remember it as Wendigo with an I, but in doing my research, I mostly encountered it as Wendigo with an E. Oh, okay. I'm glad you specified because I was trying hard to understand the difference. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I'm Mexican, so I can't pronounce things right, but no. <laughs> there's Wendigo with an E, which is hopefully how I've been pronouncing it. And then Wendigo with an I, which was the way that I first heard it. Okay. I can hear that distinction now. So I get it. In Ojibwe, the term is defined as a winter cannibal monster. According to Brandwin, the term literally means evil spirit in Ojibwe. Mm. The term might have come from the Angakwin word Winetkowa, which means owl. Other Algonquin names for it that aren't derivative of Wendigo are Achen, Chenu, Kewak, or Muhwe. And I apologize to anyone who speaks Algonquin for fucking those names up. Oh, hey. Hopefully we get a pass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> According to Osberg, the Wendigo is sometimes described as a spirit rather than a physical presence. The Crees, for example, believe it's an evil spirit that possesses humans by biting them or entering them through a dream. Oh. And if I didn't have enough of a hard time sleeping before, this certainly won't help. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is not uh, going to help with your insomnia at all. <laughs> no, not at all. This possession through a dream appears to have been what happened with Swift Runner. Let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break. And when we return, we'll talk more about the history of the Wendigo and how to kill one if you were to encounter it. How do you think the world will end? Alien invasion? Nuclear disaster? Another, more deadly pandemic? I'm Jackie Moranti, and I'm the host of Cause of Death, 100 Seconds to Midnight. I talk about the things that could obliterate mankind. I call it pre-apocalyptic nonfiction. 
The doomsday clock was set at 100 seconds to midnight from January of 2020 to January of 2023. Now it's set at 90 seconds to midnight, the closest it's ever been. From nuclear disaster to environmental threats to food and water crises, find out how mankind is destroying itself one second at a time. Cause of Death, 100 Seconds to Midnight can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you interested in learning more about history? How about literature? And what of folk literature? If you said yes, then welcome in the Great Khan's Tent. History, Literature, and Storytelling. In the Great Khan's Tent, hosted by Saf Beg, is a bi-weekly comprehensive episodic narrative podcast focusing on the history, literature, and folk literature from the regions of the Middle East, South Asia, Central Asia, North Africa, Mongolia, and the Russian Far East. We have a number of ongoing series. In our primary series, I will be narrating the Thousand and One Nights, or commonly referred to as the Arabian Nights. Interspersed within this series, will be our focus on the history of the regions I mentioned, interviews, and discussions on many facets that I am sure our listeners would enjoy. So come on in and listen. You can find us on all podcast streaming platforms on our website in thegreatkhanstent.podbean.com or on our YouTube channel in The Great Khan's Tent. I'm sure you'll enjoy listening to our podcast. We hope to see you there. If you like small town mystery, crazy news, and wild history, then the Florida Men on Florida Man podcast is for you. Each week, Josh Mills and Wayne McCarty bring you the absolute best Florida has to offer. So if you're looking for a show that's safe for the family, but funny enough to help you escape everyday life, then listen to the Florida Men on Florida Man podcast. That's Florida Men, plural, on Florida Man podcast. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> Isela, did a Wendigo possess you in your dreams during our break? I think we'd scheduled that for later. Nice. You'll have to let me know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll all join up in our dreams, nightmares. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'll be like that. Uh, was it called the astral projection or, or I forgot what they call that. Oh, on. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true either. I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> it's like the cell, right? Did you ever watch The Cell? We watched The Cell together, I think. Uh, is that the one with Jennifer Lopez? Yeah. I think so. I think I've seen it. Anyway, it was a good one. So what are your thoughts now that you've had a commercial break to digest this? I like the fact that it's easy entry into the person, like one little nibble on the person and boom, this uh, Wendigo has like possessed you or something. And then you also transform. The part that's like a little freaky, like imagery wise, is that he doesn't have lips. That's really <laughs> bothering <laughs> me. <laughs> it's a little freaky, but I mean, so far it's like mega cool because I mean, who doesn't want to talk about a crazy beast that you transform into just after one meal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I like how it possesses you through your dreams. It's almost like Freddy Krueger-ish. Yes. That is also exciting. Doesn't get you when he's like gnawing on your shoulder, something cutesy like that, <laughs> that he's going to get you in your dream. Nightmares. <laughs> I call that foreplay, baby. 
All right, let's talk about the Wendigo throughout history and some people who were allegedly possessed. The first written mention of the Wendigo appeared in a 1636 report by Paul Lejeune, <laughs> a French Jesuit missionary living with the Algonquin people in what is modern-day Quebec. Lejeune described a woman who warned of an action that had eaten some tribal members nearby. A few instances of murder and cannibalism have been blamed on the Wendigo. The Wendigo legend predates the arrival of Europeans in North America, and anthropologists believe it was developed as a cautionary tale about the importance of community to guard against individual greed, selfishness, and isolation, and encourage banding together and sharing resources, particularly during the long, harsh winters of the northern wilderness. The legend was also used to warn children not to wander too far into the woods. See, Sala Asmexas aren't the only ones who use legends to frighten children into behaving. <laughs> it's a tale to Zola's time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like the fact that they are trying to warn against isolation because even just like anthropologically speaking, we were never meant to be isolated or alone. So I could see that for sure. I've managed just fine the past three years. Well, you also live in a society with other people. So yeah, of course. True. And I'll visit them from time to time. Yeah, like every week. <laughs> like every week you do. So yeah, it's good. Like every two weeks when I'm forced to go to Walmart to buy supplies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to see the sun. What? <laughs> Here's another crazy real life story. In 1907, in Northern Ontario, Jack and Joseph Fiddler from the Sandy Lake First Nation community were charged with the murder of Joseph's daughter-in-law whom they claimed to have strangled to prevent her from becoming possessed by a Wendigo. What? Joseph was arrested and died of tuberculosis in prison in 1909. Jack was able to escape the police and died of self-inflicted strangulation, which I'm not sure how that happens, but Britannica said he strangled himself. Yeah, that seems hard to do. It does. Have you ever stra... Well, actually, I, I don't know if I want to know that story. <laughs> Never strangled myself. No, I already know where you're going. <laughs> yeah, I stopped myself before I asked it. I was like, I, I don't know if I want to know this. <laughs> right. You're like, uh, this is not an episode of HBO's Idol. <laughs> yeah, this, this is a family-friendly podcast. People listen to this podcast with their kids. I, I question that sometimes. Well, I, I have actually gotten people that have told me that, but... um, Hopefully they're old enough to know these are adult words that we use. You know, we drop a lot of F-bombs. Yes, these are mom and dad words. They're, they're not yeah. kid words. <laughs> yeah. Jack Fiddler claimed to have killed 14 Wendigos in his lifetime. Pretty prolific, right? That's a lot. Does he have them mounted, the spirit, or the... <laughs> The antler, the deers. Like <laughs> he made dolls out of them. <laughs> <laughs> With music boxes inside them. Yeah. Oh, the music boxes are kind of cute though. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> so 14. That's a lot. So he's a lot he has a lot of experience. Uh apparently, yeah. 14 seems like a lot. And uh I'm not sure if it was 14 actual Wendigo spirits or 14 people that were possessed by Wendigos. If it was 14 people, that's uh, a little bit disturbing. For sure. We mentioned at the beginning of the episode the story of Swift Runner. He was found guilty of murdering all nine members of his family mm. 
and was hanged for his crimes in December of 1879. Wow. While the true motivations for his atrocities will never be fully known, he was retroactively diagnosed with Wendigo psychosis. <gasps> That's really interesting that that would be a true, I guess, medical diagnosis. It was for a time. Huh. In the early 20th century, the term Wendigo psychosis was being used by psychologists and missionaries to describe delusions of becoming possessed by an evil spirit, along with the symptoms of depression, violence, a compulsion for human flesh, Oy. and cannibalism that culturally affected Native and First Nation people. Although some scientists dispute the existence of this syndrome, it has been used to retroactively diagnose historical cases of cannibalism in North America, like our friend Swift Runner. Wow. According to J.W. Oker, there's a lake in Minnesota called Lake Windigo. In the late 20th century, Carol Crawford Ryan started gathering stories from locals about Lake Windigo, and there's Windigo with an I, mm -hmm. and found some that seemed to go back hundreds of years. Mm. She heard that a Windigo is supposed to live in the icy waters. When the lake freezes over, exit holes can sometimes be found on the ice accompanied by footprints of barefoot feet. The size suggests it's a large creature. She also heard that the lake was used as a large kettle by cannibal giants for boiling humans. There are even tales that a Native American chief once ventured into the area and was never seen again. Oh no, that's awful. Now, if you were to encounter a Wendigo Isela, how would you stop one? I think I would definitely need to research a little bit more and find out. Like A Wendigo just broke into your house, Isela. How do you stop him? Think fast. I think I would I I would <laughs> punch him in his exposed teeth. <laughs> so he couldn't gnaw on me. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of like a pop out. Kind of. Well, you might be out of luck, Isela. They they don't have teeth. They do have teeth. Oh, okay. Sorry. But you might be out of luck unless you can track down a shaman to help you. Mm. According to Ostberg, a shaman may be the only person who can subdue and destroy a Wendigo using either a silver, steel, or iron bullet or dagger. Some legends, however, claim the Wendigo's heart must be cut out and melted or burned in a fire before its spirit is truly vanquished. I know you were hoping you could eat the heart, but you'll have to melt or burn it, unfortunately. Sorry. I actually thought you were going to go there. It's funny. You just, you say that in jest, but I actually thought, oh my God, he's going to say that you have to drink it or something. <laughs> oh, like, oh, I was ready to get all like grossed out. <laughs> no, um, you, you can't eat it. I, I know you were hoping you could, Isela, but unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> it would be so good with chips. <laughs> Pita chips. You'll have to put up the uh, recipe for that when the episode drops. <laughs> Wait for my TikTok to come out. <laughs> That'll be an OnlyFans exclusive. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so now that we pretty much talked all about the, the Wendigo and the legend, do you remember encountering him in pop culture or anything like that? Uh, I don't think so, to be honest. I don't think I've ever heard of anybody like this. I mean, cannibalism for sure, right? Jeffrey Dahmer could have been <laughs> possessed by the Wendigo, <laughs> but uh, not more in like the, the native sense. Yeah. Um, aside from that X-Files episode, that was really the only thing that I could remember. But actually, the Wendigo has appeared in numerous books, movies, and TV shows. Exciting. 
Now, I tried finding the X-Files episode I watched as a kid and came across two that fit the description. Shapes from season one, which is the one that um, I was referring to, Mm -hmm. and an episode called Detour from season five. And I haven't had a chance to watch them to see which one of the two it was, but those are the two that it sounded most like. Okay. The most well-known portrayal of the Wendigo was in Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Are you familiar with that? I do remember Pet Cemetery. yes. There was also a Wendigo in season one of your favorite hit TV show, Supernatural. Oh, I've never seen that. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, ooh, what is it? New Girl? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well, I was actually in season six of New Girl, but... uh job. <laughs> <laughs> it is so dumb. <laughs> you want to guess the craziest of all TV shows and movies that it was on? Uh, like NCIS or something. No, I, crazy. Like you will not, it's going to blow your mind when I tell you. Uh, Star Talk? What? <laughs> <laughs> it was also featured in My Little Pony, of all things. Wow, that's very wild. That's very <laughs> out there. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. Uh, Marvel also has a character named Wendigo, which was not a character I was familiar with but first appeared in The Incredible Hulk number 162 from April 1973, and he was even on the cover of of Uncanny X-Men number 140 from September of 1980. And I'm kind of ashamed of myself that I wasn't familiar because he does look pretty badass on those covers or in those comics. You can't commit them all to memory, you know? Yeah, I can't. (laughs) Your favorite president, Isela, old Teddy Roosevelt. What? (laughs) (laughs) How old do you think I am? (laughs) Damn, son. (laughs) You're like, how am I finding out for the first time that he was my favorite president? (laughs) This is my favorite. Who told you this freaking lie? (laughs) Okay, well, old Teddy Roosevelt wrote a book called The Wilderness Hunter in 1893, which includes a goblin story about a bear-like beast that stalks the camp of two hunters leaving only one alive to tell the tale. Readers have interpreted this creature as Bigfoot or the Wendigo. The Wendigo has appeared in the 2013 blockbuster film The Lone Ranger with everyone's favorite toxic duo, alleged women abusers Army Hammer and Johnny Depp. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) I still stand with Johnny. Although they were very crazy, both of them. I will agree. I do not. And Army Hammer, if you recall that conversation we had, was the one that was trying to like eat his girlfriends or something. <laughs> yeah. None of those. Yeah, that should never be granted with any kind of fame. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This one, I think that you and I are going to have to watch, Isela. Scott Cooper and Guillermo del Toro. Oh, I'm already in. Yeah. Say less. I was in when I saw Guillermo del Toro. Say less. Yeah. Came up with Antlers in 2021 and is described as combining supernatural horror and generational trauma in a small town setting, which, again, I want to watch now. Yeah, tell me where we find it and when. I'll make the popcorn and I won't eat it because I don't. I only like the way it smells. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I think that's like the craziest fun fact about you, Isela. <laughs> I know. I just like to make it so it could smell like my house can smell like a movie theater. <laughs> oh my God, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
All the things I do not make sense. All the things I do don't have to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I love that for you. I love that for you. <laughs> <laughs> for you. <laughs> All right. I was actually telling my brother that we we're going to be doing an episode on the Wendigo today. Oh. And he told me that he saw Antlers and gave it three out of five stars on Voodoo. So. Okay. That's watchable. Yeah. I mean, we watch Velocipaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he thought it was okay, but not great. Okay. So I guess he doesn't want to join us. <laughs> um, I can ask him if he wants to. Okay. Also, shout out to my brother, Alfonso, who also recommended this topic like two years ago. Oh, Alfonso. <laughs> it's a little late, but l- better late than never. Indeed. <laughs> he also recently heard our Frederick P. Kruger episode, and he said that he really liked it. He said, we almost sound like real podcasters. <laughs> oh, almost? Yeah. Wow. Sass. Thanks, Fonso. <laughs> no, that was a really fun episode. I really liked it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And he also said that the episode was fun and interesting. Cool. And there are a ton more examples of the Wendigo showing up in media, but these are just the ones that I found most interesting. Have you added any of these to your list, Isela? I totally got to see this Antlers, Guillermo del Toro. I'm totally down. For sure. And I don't know if I should say this, but I kind of want to watch The Lone Ranger now. <laughs> really? That is surprising. I think you mostly want to watch that just so you can clown on them later. So I get that. Respect. That is true. Um, the only other movie I've seen with <laughs> Army Hammer was The um, the Man from Uncle. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I really, really like that movie a lot. Everyone says it's pretty great. So I guess it's hard. Again, this is like the conversation we were talking about over the weekend. There are some people you don't like as a person, but in their trade, like I didn't like Christian Bale. I thought he was a butthole. And then when I saw finally him do some just, he's, he is a really fantastic actor. Like I can't take that away. I was like, all right, I, I got to stop boy counting him. because He's, he's in a lot of good <laughs> movies. <laughs> I think he's just like abusive to, uh, to, I guess like the other actors and um i guess members of the staff of the people that do movies yeah he treats them kind of lowly or i would i mean who who knows that was one moment that was caught on a cell phone i'd like to think that we are better than our lowest moments so i'm just gonna give them the benefit of the doubt true but i was gonna say there's that there's you know being verbally abusive and then there's also uh you know being abusive to women <laughs> and trying to eat them and shit there's kind of a little bit of a distinction there. There's a lot stacking up against that particular guy, Mr. Hammer. <laughs> yeah. And, and we were talking about on the satanic panic episode, we we're talking about Rosemary's baby and the, um, the same thing with the original director of the 1968 movie. Like that guy is super awful. Oh no. Yeah. He's, su- I'm not going to say all this, all this shit that he did, but you can Google it. Really? Okay. But I mean, that, that guy was like the biggest piece of shit. Wow. Well, I guess it's a good thing that I never watched the movie. Oh, but it's so good though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, w- what we're saying is that if you haven't watched it, you might want to skip it for that. And also because like the final reveal, when you see the actual baby itself, the they didn't have the technology in 1968 to make it look cool. So it was kind of a letdown. It was like a low budge type of thing. Yeah. Okay. So um, any other thoughts, Isela? I know that you were going to like it since you're a very vocal diehard fan of horror and the macabre. <laughs> so I kind of want to get your your take. No, I totally love the fact that, yeah, we're getting some native topics in it. And then it's still this like 
person that possesses you and then, or not a person, but I guess like a spirit that possesses you. And then he's 15 feet tall and maybe he's shiny or maybe he just lives <laughs> in the water. <laughs> I don't know. It was definitely fun to, to listen to and just kind of imagine. Yeah, I agree. It was so much fun. Yeah. Well, since we're actually ending on a high note. Yeah. We hope that you enjoyed the show and you join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are sold. Yeah. Follow us on the socials at greetingstac, email us at greetingstac at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669. If you have a story of being possessed to share with us, or when you grew antlers. Ooh. <laughs> oh, wait a second. That sounds that sounds different too, though. <laughs> that sounds almost like a fetish, you said. <laughs> like you're fetishizing. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, or like, you're like, punch me in the head right here. And then I'm going to start growing these little chichones. <laughs> Tell me about the time you grew antlers, big boy. <laughs> oh, my God. In your pants. That's like. <laughs> oh, boy. Oi. Two? No, that's weird. <laughs> this is falling apart. <laughs>